Good evening, evening service. It is good to be back. Uh, yeah, my name is Ruth, as Dave already said, and I actually came to this church for many, many years. Uh, I was here for about 10 years before we, uh, the wee band of us here gathered up and went to the south side and started a new church over there. Um, so it is very exciting to be back. I love seeing Joyce again. I love seeing Bill and Jane. I love seeing all the pals, everyone that's here. Uh, so thanks for having me this evening. I was saying to the morning service that I feel like I'm kind of like, um, for any of you who've watched Neighbours, it's like when an old character comes back and you don't know who they are, but your mum knows who they are. But then I thought, do people here even know what Neighbours is? Like, did you, who watched Neighbours? Okay, good, because I thought if it's not a Netflix thing, do people even know what that is? Well, I was saying to the morning service, I'm kind of like Paul Robinson. Like, when I was a certain age, Paul Robinson came back to Neighbours, and I said to my mum, who's that? And, he, and she said, that's Paul Robinson. He was on this a long time ago, and then he was on River City, and now he's on Neighbours. And I didn't know who it was, but she knew who it was. So I'm kind of like one of those characters who was a part of this church uh, not that long ago, and I know a lot of you, but I also see a lot of new faces. So it's really cool to see uh, who God's brought in since then, and yeah, I'm excited to be here with you tonight. So I get to talk to you about the fun topic of fasting. Yeah, big cheer. Um, that's going to be fun. Because as you will have heard, this week our church is warmly inviting you into five days of not eating with intentional prayer and time spent with God. Doesn't that sound exciting? Okay, you're kind of excited. Um, and then maybe for some of you, you're thinking, like, did she literally just mean that? Like, when she says fasting, does she really mean that they're not going to eat anything for five days? Like, is that even safe? Is someone going to get hurt doing that? Um, and, and I'll tell you, yes, that's what I mean. Some of us are doing that, and it is mad. But I also believe it is entirely biblical, and that in this practice of prayer and fasting, we have the potential to see God do incredible things through our prayers. So I'll be honest with you, I've had good times and bad times with fasting. Sometimes I have fasted and uh, found it to be a moment of a real spiritual high and closeness to God. And I've seen really great breakthrough to, to my prayers. And then I've also had experiences with fasting where I just felt hungry and I didn't enjoy it and I didn't necessarily feel any closer to God. <laughs> and I'll tell you that every fast is different, but I really believe in the life-changing and the community-changing power in a corporate time of being un united in prayer and fasting. And so this is a topic that is worth exploring together. And hopefully I explain some things in this message. If not, let's say this is your backup. You can find your answers in there. So what do I mean by fasting? Uh, when I really mean prayer and fasting, the, the combination of those. In the Bible, uh, the word in the New Testament that's used for fasting is nestio. In the Old Testament, it's psalm. Um, and these words, they mean to abstain from food. And they're used in the context of people intentionally abstaining from eating so that they can set aside intentional time with God in prayer. And I, I know that not everyone here is able to not eat this week. There's a lot of good reasons why people don't fast. Uh, for example, medical reasons, maybe professional reasons. Uh, so I know that not everyone is going to be fasting this week, and that's okay. We can talk more about that in a bit. 
But I wanted to make it clear the, the context of, of the Bible stories that I'm going to be talking about. Uh, so, so when I read to you times of people fasting before God, what I mean is they're literally not eating for several days and they're praying. And we see lots of different kinds of fasts for different reasons with different people throughout the Bible. Sometimes it's like an individual fast where a person individually decides, I'm going to fast for a personal reason, uh, maybe like David fasting about the situation with his son. Or then there's some that are like God-led fasts, like uh, Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert for a time of testing, and in that he was praying and he was fasting. And then there's a bunch of fasts that are kind of like us this week, where there's a situation, and then the leader calls on the community to together fast and pray and, and lift up their requests to God. And that's what we're going to be doing this week. So why do we do it? Sometimes we deny ourselves physically so that we can be filled spiritually. You see, we are not just physical beings. A man does not live on bread alone, says Jesus, while fasting. And deep down, I think that we all long for something deeper, something spiritual that can't be satisfied by food. And the combination of fasting from food with intentional time spent in prayer, it is a spiritual discipline. Now, I presume in our church community, uh, we probably all come from different backgrounds when it comes to spiritual disciplines. And maybe you grew up in one of those families where you saw your parents praying and fasting and, and this whole concept isn't new to you and you've seen that before. Uh, or maybe you're more like what I expect most of you are like, where this is not a normal thing to do. <laughs> and maybe this isn't your, your church background. And so that's why I want to spend some time talking about this and like, why are we doing this? I think we're all familiar with the concept of disciplining our bodies for the sake of physical health. Uh, I'd assume that most of us know that we're supposed to live a generally active lifestyle and exercise a few times a week and eat generally healthy food. And if you don't yet carry around your own water bottle, you're not hydrated enough, right? And these are disciplines that we do, or wh whether we do them or not, these are disciplines uh, with the hope of having a healthy body healthier, a stronger life. And what we're talking about with fasting, it's the same concept, but aiming at uh, making healthy a different part of us, and that's the spiritual side of us. And there's lots of different spiritual disciplines. You know, there's worship, there's prayer, there's spending time in God's word, there's confession and repentance. There's a lot of things we can do to discipline ourselves, to, to let our spirit come alive. But I'm thinking fasting is probably not one of those disciplines that everyone's thinking, yeah, I want to have a go at that. That sounds fun. At least I wouldn't want to have a go at that. Uh, when we first called our church to a five-day fast, I'm pretty sure it was January 2017 was the first time we did it as a church. And, and we said from the front, we said, right, a bunch of us here in leadership are going to be praying and fasting uh, this week for the year ahead. If anyone wants to join us in this time, you are welcome to, but you don't have to. And honestly, like, I didn't expect anyone to willingly join us on that fast. Uh, but we had over 60 people who reported back to us that week that they had done it or, or done most of it. And not only that, but I heard then stories from people in that 60 group who, throughout the year that followed, actually willingly decided to pray and fast again because they'd been so convinced by how effective it was at the beginning of the year. And that's something that I wasn't expecting at the time. Richard Foster has written many great books. 
I recommend his book Celebration of Discipline, which uh, looks at lots of different kinds of spiritual disciplines. But what I love about his book is that he brings the spiritual disciplines down to earth. And, and I feel like he, he brings it, presents them in a way that uh, makes it normal to anyone. Uh, listen to this from his book. He says, we must not be led to believe that the disciplines are only for spiritual giants and hence beyond our reach, or only for the contemplatives who devote all their time to prayer and meditation. Neither should we think that the spiritual disciplines are some dull drudgery aimed at exterminating laughter from the face of the earth. Joy is the keynote of the disciplines. The purpose of the disciplines is liberation from the stifling slavery to self-interest and fear. When the inner spirit is liberated from all that weighs it down, it can hardly be described as dull drudgery. Singing, dancing, even shouting characterize the disciplines of the spiritual life. See, we are all created uh, with a spiritual hunger that goes deeper than any food can satisfy. And though I'd say it isn't necessary to deny yourself physically and to humble yourself in that way in order to grow spiritually, uh, no, you can, you can definitely grow spiritually while eating food all the days of your life. Don't worry about that. But I would say that a time of physical humbling yourself is kind of like a catalyst to really tuning in to God in new ways, to drawing close to him, to uh, learning to hear his voice with clarity. And that is one of our goals in this fasting week, is to draw close to God, to actually experience him here on earth. And the combination of fasting from food while intentionally spending time with God in prayer, uh, it is definitely challenging. I'm not going to say this is going to be an easy week. But the result is more breakthrough from God, more closeness with him, more joy, more encouragement, all things that I think are worth persevering for. Last year, I talked about how fasting isn't actually so weird historically. Uh, did you know that the early church generally did the 5-2 diet? Have you heard of the 5-2 diet? Who knows about the 5-2 diet? Right, so there's this trendy thing nowadays where uh, you can eat anything you want or like generally good food for five days of the week. And then there's two days of the week that are set aside as an intentional fasting day. And people nowadays do it because it's trendy and it's healthy. Uh, but actually, like the, the, the um, early church did this as a spiritual practice regularly. And, and even in Scottish culture in the past, that was a normal thing. It's only relatively recently that our culture has started eating all day, every day, all the time, and fasting's become a bit strange or just like a health thing. So let's look at some examples from the Bible. My first question, is it okay that we're all talking about this so publicly? Isn't fasting meant to be a private thing, like something personal between you and God? That's a good question, Ruth, if I asked it myself. Um, the Bible says something about this, Matthew 6, 16 to 18. Whenever you fast, don't be gloomy like the hypocrites, for they make their faces unattractive so that their fasting is obvious to people. Truly, I tell you, they have their reward. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that your fasting isn't obvious to others, but to your father who is in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you. And I used to understand this verse as meaning, don't ever tell anyone that you're fasting, ever. Always keep it a secret. It's always between you and God. But if that's the case, then why is it that there are so many examples 
in the Bible of leaders calling their group, calling their community together to, to pray and fast in unity uh, for a united purpose. I've got a few examples here. Uh, the book of Ezra. So in Ezra, we've got the Jews returning from captivity in Babylon to Jerusalem. And they are on a journey which uh, is dangerous. They've got their kids with them. They've got their whole community. They're carrying their money and their uh, valuable possessions. And they know that they are vulnerable to thieves and gangs and all sorts. So Ezra 8, 21 says there, By the Ahava Canal, I proclaimed a fast, so that we might humble ourselves before our God and ask him for a safe journey for us and our children and all our possessions. I was ashamed to ask the king for soldiers and horsemen to protect us from enemies on the road because we had told the king, the gracious hand of our God is on everyone who looks to him, but his great anger is against all who forsake him. So we fasted and petitioned our God about this and he answered our prayer. See, in this fast, Ezra is calling his people to humble themselves physically to cry out for protection and safety from God. And I also find it funny as a side note that he had the opportunity to ask for human help, but was like, oh no, we, we, can, we can cry out and humble ourselves. We'd rather fast and pray to show that God is so good that he can look after us. <laughs> I think that's quite funny. Uh, so, so there's an example. That's not a secret and private fast. That is a group uh, fasting and praying together. Now the book of Jonah, same thing again. The prophet Jonah He's already been spat out by the big fish. He ends up in Nineveh uh, with a message that God is going to destroy the land because of the wickedness there. Joshua 3, 6 to 10. Now, Nineveh was an extremely great city, a three-day walk. Jonah set out on the first day of his walk in the city and proclaimed, in 40 days, Nineveh will be demolished. When the people of Nineveh believed God, they proclaimed a fast and dressed in sackcloth from the greatest of them to the least. So that's everyone. When word reached the king of Nineveh, he got up from his throne, took off his royal robe, put on sackcloth and sat in ashes. Then he issued a decree in Nineveh. By order of the king and his nobles, no person or animal, herd or flock is to taste anything at all. They must not eat or drink water. Furthermore, both people and animals must be covered with sackcloth and everyone must call out earnestly to God. Each must turn from his evil ways and from his wrongdoing. Who knows? God may turn and relent. He may turn from his burning anger so that we will not perish. God saw their actions, that they had turned from their evil ways. So God relented from the disaster he had threatened them with. And he did not do it. So again, we've got the king. He calls to the, the city to a corporate time of all together physically humbling themselves. Not just with fasting, also wearing sackcloth. And the king asked everyone to fast and call out earnestly to God. And they were fasting and praying together for forgiveness, for the wickedness in their land. And then what happened? the heart of God was stirred and he didn't send the disaster that he was going to send. So wait a second, does this mean that God can change his mind? Like, is that what this is actually saying here? Like God might have done one thing and then actually he did another thing. Now there's a whole, there's a lot we could say about the, the mysteriousness of God's character and, and what he's like and whether or not he changes. Uh, 
But for the sake of this, I will just say, yes, God changed his mind. (laughs) Because God is a relational God and he listens to the people that he loves. You see, God has set up this world in such a way that what we do or do not do here, and whether or not we actually come to him in humility, does actually affect how he acts here on earth. And we have an opportunity to see change in this place if we come to him in love and in humility. We're living a life where we can actually partner with God here on earth to see him move in the things that we want to see him move in. Yes. God opposes the proud. He gives grace to the humble. The Bible says that loads. Right, another example, Esther chapter 4. The book of Esther, you'll know the story. Uh, The order was written that all the Jewish people were going to be destroyed, killed, annihilated. People responded with uh, bitter weeping and great fear and and fasting and uh, lots of unhappiness. And again, Esther called a fast in the community for God's supernatural favor to rescue them. Esther 4.15, Esther sent this reply to Mordecai, go and assemble all the Jews who can be found in Susa and fast for me. Don't eat or drink for three days, night or day. I and my female servants will also fast in the same way. After that, I will go to the king, even if it is against the law. If I perish, I perish. So Mordecai went and did everything Esther had commanded him. And you can read the rest of the story. Esther was not killed, but the king listened to her. The whole community were spared from death and justice was done. So let's go back to what Jesus said about keeping your fasting a secret. Is fasting really meant to be only a private matter between you and God? Now, sometimes I think it is. Sometimes God does call us on an individual level to fast and to pray and to not tell anyone. I think he definitely does that sometimes. But the common thread that I see in these examples of prayer and fasting is physical humility to appeal in unity for supernatural help from God. And when we look at uh, Jesus talking to the hypocrites in Matthew there, he was addressing the fact that they were making themselves look miserable so everyone would know that they're fasting. It was like their heart in the fast was more pride. It was like, oh, look how spiritual I am or look how much I can endure. Isn't it hard for me? And Jesus didn't like that because that is not the point of fasting. The point is humility. The heart behind this fast that we are doing is humility, is humbling ourselves before our God. Psalm 35, 13 says, when they were sick, my clothing was a sackcloth. I humbled myself with fasting and my prayer was genuine. You see, prayer, it's not meant to be this repetitive and meaningless religious practice that we just do for the sake of it. No, prayer is our relationship with God. It is when we talk to him. It is when we listen to him. It's how we interact with this personal love, this personal God who loves us. So when we put ourselves in a posture of physical humility, like being really hungry, our prayers are genuine because we are reminded what we are desperate for. We desperately call out to him to, to act, to move. Remember that guy, Brian, that went to Israel? Here's something he said that always stuck with me. He says, fasting is not really a hunger strike. It's a humility strike. 
So this week we're going to be, well some of us here are going to be fasting for five days. We're going to at least attempt to not eat any food uh, for five days. uh, To humble ourselves physically to appeal for God's supernatural help in this land. Because there are really big ways that we want to see God moving here. And I really don't want fasting to become a religious thing in our church. I definitely don't want anyone to go home from church tonight and say, oh, well, today in church I was told not to eat anything this week. How rude is that? I'm not trying to make you not eat anything. (laughs) But I so believe in the significance and the opportunity that we have as a group here that I want to invite you in. You're not obliged. You do not have to do this. Uh, But if you want to, I invite you to join with us in this. And we know there are a lot of really good reasons to not fast this week, and I'll tell you some of them. If you are uh, taking medication, which requires food to be in your stomach, please don't fast this week. Uh, Keep eating, keep taking your medication. If you really want to do something uh, to humble yourself, ask God for wisdom on something you could do. Like, um, I know some people are maybe just eating like porridge and crackers and bland foods to to humble themselves and still have food in their stomach, but uh, maybe not as many luxuries as usual. I don't know, ask God for wisdom. Uh, If you're pregnant or breastfeeding, again, don't fast this week. Like, don't starve your baby. Feed your baby, that is a good thing. Uh, You don't need to fast. If you've got work commitments that could be dangerous if you've not eaten, (laughs) like maybe you operate heavy machinery or maybe you do surgery or maybe you drive a vehicle of some sort. I don't know. Again, you know what your week involves and I think between you and God, you can figure out, is it wise or not for me to fast this week? If you're under 18, I wouldn't advise that young people with growing bodies are are starving themselves for several days. Uh, I think nutrition is really, really important. Uh, So if you're under 18, I'd suggest don't do a long fast. If you want to do a partial fast or or a very short one, uh, chat to your parents about that, chat to pals about that. Um, But I wouldn't recommend that under 18s are joining in a long fast. Also, if you struggle with eating disorders, and you know that this could be a stumbling block to take you to a dark place. I really don't want this week to be a trigger for you that's gonna take you into a really bad place. So I would suggest, because I know that there's a lot of people here who do struggle with eating disorders. If that's you and you're thinking, I want to join the church in this, I'm desperate to see God move in my life and in this land. I want to do something to join in, but I'm also a bit worried that To be honest, I'm going to be more excited about getting skinny than actually drawing close to God. I'd suggest, why don't you find a friend or a family member who loves you, who knows you, who can ask you the hard questions, be honest with them about where your heart's at and your struggles with it, and get them to pray with you about what you could do this week that would be a good step towards that but keep you in a safe place. Like maybe they're going to hold you accountable that after your day of fasting, they're going to make sure you're eating again and sticking with that. Or maybe they're going to keep checking in on your heart. Like, how's your heart? Are you still uh, desperately drawing near to God? Or are you actually just thinking about the fact that you're starving yourself? Like, have someone to talk to about that. And and don't let this be a trigger point to end up in an unhealthier place, okay? If you're you're really not sure about that, I'd encourage you to get someone from the prayer team even to pray over you tonight and, and ask God for help there. So we're boldly inviting all of you into this. But also saying it is entirely necessary that you pray and consider what can I actually do this week to join in with prayer and fasting. Uh, We genuinely want to physically humble ourselves, but we don't want to be stupid, okay? (laughs) And I find fasting really hard. I don't enjoy feeling hungry. 
But something I appreciate about times of fasting is uh, with every wave of hunger, with every, every pain in that sense, it reminds me to think, what do I hunger for more than I am hungering for food right now? And sometimes it's that I just really want to see God act and do what the thing is that I'm praying about. Sometimes it's simply that, God, I want to be as satisfied in you as my body is in food. Like, reveal who you are. Let me know you as you can be known here on earth. What could happen as a result of our church, of all of us here together praying and fasting for our year ahead? Like, I don't even know. But I expect something really significant could happen here. God says in the Bible, if my people who are called by my name humble themselves, pray and seek my face and turn from their evil ways, then I will hear from heaven, forgive their sins and heal their land. That is an if then, that is a maybe I will, maybe I won't. It's not that. It's if you do this, then I will do this. I will heal, heal your land. And what do we need healing from? I'm sure you can think of things in your personal life and people you know that uh, definitely need healing. But let's think on a bigger picture. Like, what has been going on with our country this last year? Like, the United Kingdom. Not so united a kingdom. Right? If you are stressed about Brexit, if you're stressed about the leadership situation here, if you are thinking about Scottish independence and thinking, is this going to happen? Is it not? What does that mean for me? If you're disturbed by all your friends and family who are so divided and so upset with each other about these issues, or if you're worried about our planet and the temperatures and the atmosphere rising and what that implies about our lifestyles and our future and what should I do and what should I, how should I act, if these things trouble you, this is an opportunity to draw close to God and to ask him to act, to heal our land. And I'm sure in this room, we've probably got lots of different opinions on what really ought to be done in this land and what, what the right perspective is politically or um, in social justice or, or whatever the thing is. But no matter what your personal view is, I'm pretty sure that we are all united in the fact that we want to see peace again here. We want to see clarity. We want to see God move in this place. And we want to see hearts reawaken to the goodness of God, right? So that is what you can be praying for this week. That is what you can be fasting about and asking God to move in. I have seen this week of prayer and fasting be like a tipping point for a lot of people in our church. As they've raised up these, these stresses and these confusions to God. And then seen what he has done in the year that's followed. I can think of loads of friends of mine who have come into a week of prayer and fasting uh, confused about even like their next life choices. Like, like God, are we staying in Glasgow or are we moving somewhere else? Uh, God, I'm, I'm not happy with my work situation. Are you asking me to persevere? Or have you got something new for me? What should I do? I've seen this happen year after year. People come in with these questions, these concerns, these stresses, lift them up to God. And then in the weeks and months that follow, it's like God speaks with clarity. God provides the money and the resources needed. He opens up opportunities that weren't there before. I have seen this happen time and time again. I've heard so many people share at share time, oh, I wrote the name on this fasting card of someone I know and love who doesn't know God, who I want to see experience love and peace again. And I prayed for them in fasting week and guess what's happened in their life since then. And then they share the story about how God moved. I've heard that so many times. Maybe you've got someone in your life that you want to be praying, praying for and thinking about. 
I really believe that even our church's story and expansion has been so great and, and, and has sped up because of the unity of us praying and fasting together for God to move. Like we've, we've been praying, I think we prayed for about seven years that God would give us more space. Uh, we, we moved into this building in, when was it, 2011, 2010, around about 2011. Um, and within a few years, we, we got this place to capacity. You know, there were so many kids in those kids' rooms that it was almost unsafe. Uh, and so we were really praying. We're like, God, we want to keep growing and expanding, not because we're trying to be a mighty Rehope empire. That's not our heart. Uh, but we want to see your kingdom come on this earth. And so if this building is not allowing us to keep growing, then God, would you provide for us more space? And we prayed that prayer for about seven years. <laughs> In January 2017, that was the first time, I think, that we as a whole church had prayed and fasted for, for seven days. And that was one of our prayer requests, was, God, would you provide for us more space for our church? Um, I don't remember anything really significant happening in that year as far as our church's multiplication. Um, but we all had a great time fasting that week, and everyone came out and said, oh, I felt so much closer to God, and I could hear his voice, and it was wonderful. So good things happened. January 2018, so the, the next year, um, I remember that fasting year being like a rubbish week. Who did it that year and was like, do, do you remember everyone was like, that was just really hard. I really enjoyed it the first year, but the second year I just found it really hard and I had to persevere. I remember that being the chat after that one. But in that year, so many significant things happened that steered us towards this moment that we're in now as a church. In that fasting week in January 2018, that was when Brian heard God speaking to him again and reminding him of a vision to have a multi-location church in Glasgow, not just one church that becomes bigger and bigger, but actually starting lots of churches. And he felt like he needed to start thinking about who's going to be the next two lead pastors. We don't have any plans to plant two new locations, but, but that was a sense from fasting week. By May that year, we had the opportunity presented to us to get that building in the south side and to start a church there. By August, we received an email from missions at rehope.co.uk email address, you know, the one on the website. We got an email from some ladies in Royston who said, we live in Royston. We would love to see Jesus preached and proclaimed in this place. We hear your church is the kind of church that starts new churches. Would you guys want to come and start a church here? And like we weren't seeking out Royston, but we had felt like God was saying that we needed to multiply and that we needed to get two new lead pastors ready. So that was August 2018. By January 2019, so a year ago this time, we'd successfully bid on the Southside building. Uh, Royston, I was in Royston this afternoon and Alan was saying that one of his prayer requests on the, the fasting thing last year was, God, what's the deal with Royston? Question <laughs> mark. Like, is this happening or is this not? And should I be a part of it? Um, in our fasting week last year, we, we sat around here on the Monday night and we still had £150,000 to raise to complete purchasing the Southside building. And we, we talked in the room and we were like, right, we've prayed, we've fasted, we've fundraised, we've applied for grants, we've very sacrificially and generously given our offerings towards this opportunity. And we cannot see in this room where the next £150,000 is going to come from. So we prayed <laughs> we said, God, we're humbling ourselves. This is your church. Would you provide a way for us to get this building? And it was the next day, the Tuesday, Brian received an email from Church of Scotland informing us that we weren't actually obliged to buy both the church building and the manse, like the flat that was attached to it. And so if we decided to only buy the church, 
the cost would be £140,000 less than what we were raising. And so in that one email, we realized we already had all the money. There was nothing more to come in. So that was like our fasting week high this time last year. We got to Tuesday and we were like, yes, breakthrough with the building situation. Since then, uh, a bunch of us went to the south side, right? Woo! Uh, we started a church there. It's been a really great time. Uh, God's been moving. God's been doing new things. Uh, Rehope Royston started uh, just this last autumn. In fasting week last year, Laura was praying and, and like, God, should I be the lead pastor here in the West End? And Alan was praying, God, what's the deal with Royston? Is that even a thing? Like this last year has seen an incredible burst of breakthrough and growth in our church and, and it's not just about our church it's because I think God is actually reawakening this land and God has a plan in this place in this city that he wants to bring people back to him and so he's making space so that when they come back they've got a place to go that's why he's starting all this stuff and so I really believe that this was always on God's heart. God wanted our church to grow and multiply. But I think this corporate time of coming together, of praying, of humbling ourselves, of lifting up these requests before God, that has brought this stuff together at a quicker rate and with even more incredible stories than we could have imagined. So that is why we're doing this. I went off my notes. I got really excited. I've got some tips for you if you want to fast this week. Number one prayerfully plan your fast and I want you to really seek God on if he wants you to do this because I think there's probably some people here who are thinking yeah I can fast for five days I'm gonna do that maybe God's gonna say to you no I know what's gonna happen in your week why don't you just fast one day I don't know ask God and on the other side there's probably some people here who are not planning on fasting but maybe if you pray about it God might say do you know what don't be scared I want you to try this because I'm going to reveal things to you that you wouldn't have known otherwise and I will be your strength and you'll be amazed. Obedience is the key here. We don't want to make this a competition. It's not like, oh, who can fast the longest or who was the most hardcore faster that only had water. Like, that's not what the, the culture is here. It's obedience. It's God, what do you want me to do to humble myself before you as we pray? Number two, think carefully and intentionally about what your prayer times are going to be like. Because sometimes I think we spend so long preparing ourselves for the fact that we're not going to eat anything that we forget to make time to actually spend with God in prayer, which was kind of the whole point of the whole thing. So look ahead at your, your week and think, when are some times that I can actually get some solid time in prayer with God? And maybe I'm going to get up earlier in the mornings. Maybe I'm going to clear my evenings so I've got my evenings to sit and read the word and, and journal and, and listen to God. Uh, I can tell you a couple a couple times next week you should set aside for prayer. Uh, Wednesday night, you guys are doing a worship and prayer night here. Yes? 7.30? 7.30 here. Come and pray with your church. That is a time you should make available. Also, secret invitation. Um, in the south side on Monday night, we're having a drop-in prayer time where, right, we've got these pals from YWAM in Hawaii. They're over here. They're visiting us from Hawaii. And they would love to pray for anyone for anything. So I secretly invite you, Westenders, um, you can drop in if you want on Monday night between 7 and 9. They will pray for healing. They will lift up prayer requests to God. They will happily just sit, like listen to God and ask him what is on his heart for you and just tell you that. Uh, you can drop in on Monday night if you want to. That's just a secret invitation. That's just for you guys. Um, so that, that, that sometimes you could set aside for prayer. Uh, number three, think and decide. 
what am I going to drink? And I put this in because I think for me personally, this is usually one of my biggest stresses during a fasting week. It's like, oh, like I was going to have juice, but should I have a coffee? Oh, maybe I'll have a coffee. I don't know. It becomes so stressful that you actually waste your time and you don't spend a lot of time praying because you're just thinking about what you're going to drink. So I would suggest you can drink whatever you want. This is your fast. This is between you and God. But decide what you're going to drink before you go into it so you don't have the doubts halfway through, okay? Personally, I don't like doing just water fast. I've actually never done one successfully because it's really hard. Uh, I like drinking coffee when I fast. <laughs> but I'm going to leave this up to you guys. You can, you can chat to God about what you want your fast to look like. Number four, pace yourself. If you've never done a long fast before, don't feel like you need to jump in at the deep end. Uh, again, ask God, see what he wants you to do, but it's okay just to do like a 12-hour fast or, or a day fast or something. Like, those are hard enough. Number five, keep a journal. Like, expect that this is a significant time of drawing close to God, and sometimes you don't notice all the ways that he's speaking to you until you look back in reflection. So I'd suggest that every day you journal something, whether you are someone who writes really long journaling entries or maybe you're just a bullet point person, make note of, how your fasting's going? Like, how are you feeling? What do you feel like God is saying? What are you praying about? What are the Bible verses that are jumping out at you? What are some songs that you just find in your head? I don't know. Like, just write anything in your journal because you never know when you look back how you might actually see, oh, God put that in my head in the fasting week. Like, that has happened so often. If you journaled last year, why don't you start this year by reading last year's entry and just see what's happened since then? Number six. If you feel unwell or you just find it too hard to keep going, don't hurt yourself. Just eat something. And I'll leave this up to you. Um, but I really think, like, give this a go with your best efforts. But there is no shame in this church in breaking a fast early. I have done it several times because sometimes you just don't feel well and you just need some food. So whether you want a teaspoonful of honey or you want a bowl of broth or you just go to McDonald's, like you do what you need to do in that moment if you're struggling, okay? There is no shame. There is no guilt. There is always next year for the fasting week, right? <laughs> so if you're unwell, don't push it. And then seven, choose to have a good attitude and don't moan. That's just a personal request because you might be choosing to fast, but the other people around you didn't choose that you were going to fast. So uh, let's put on the best attitude we can. It is hard. It is humbling. That is part of it. Uh, but try to put on joy or hope, or, or if you just can't be a nice person, maybe just be a bit more quiet when you're around other people. I don't know. I mean, Jesus says, wash your face and put oil on your head. Is that not what he means? Yeah, no, maybe. Uh, yeah, let's try and walk in the opposite spirit, spirit to our misery and put on the best attitude that you possibly can. So you've got, to, you've got these fasting cards. Um, you can pray with us on the church prayer request. You can also add your, your own personal five points. Uh, and I want to mention as well here, there are three points from my last year's fasting card that I'm just putting directly back on this one. And that's because they've not been fully answered yet. And I'm not worried about the fact that they've not been fully answered yet. I'm frustrated because I want these to be fully answered. But Jesus says that we need to keep asking, keep knocking, keep seeking, and the door will be open to us. And I really don't want to paint a picture here that if you, if you fast for five days and lift up these things towards God, then all your dreams are going to come true in one week. That is not how it works. Like, I really believe in 
this stuff being a catalyst to answer prayer. I have seen so many stories of God breaking through after the prayer and fasting week. But sometimes it takes perseverance and time in prayer to see this stuff break through. So don't give up if you've got things that you've been praying year after year to get on this card. In fact, if you've got those things that you're praying year after year and you're just frustrated and you're like, God, what is the deal? Why is this not broken through? Why don't you spend some time in your fasting week asking him to give you his perspective on what's going on there? And he might say to you, just keep praying, just keep persevering, get other people praying too. Maybe that's what he's going to say. Or he might say, do you know what? There's another angle to this situation that you don't see. And let me give you some understanding there. Let me give you some peace about that. And then you won't need to be as troubled about it because you'll see what I am doing in that unanswered prayer. I don't know what God's going to say, but get time with him to talk about those things. So my challenges that I've got for you today, this is pretty obvious. Number one, consider and ask God, shall I join the church in five days of intentional prayer and fasting? And if so, what does that look like for me? Number two, ask God to align your expectations with his. What does he want you to pray this week? And number three, if you're new to fasting, why don't you just try a, a 12-hour or a 24-hour fast this week? Like, just give it a go and see what happens. 